Good morning, Nashville. I'm Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Wednesday, October 7th. Let's check the Titans' temps this morning, and that's right. Tuesday was the team's second consecutive day without a positive test and therefore may be able to return to the facility as soon as Wednesday. It also means that as of Wednesday morning, the game against the Bills is looking far more likely to take place than we thought two days ago. Head coach Mike Vrabel said that all of the infected players are progressing and doing well, thankfully. But he also said on his radio show Monday night on 104.5 The Zone that none of the players on the COVID-19 list could be counted on to play against Buffalo this weekend. If you need a refresher, that includes Jeffrey Simmons, Daquan Jones, Adam Humphreys, Christian Fulton, Bo Brinkley, Kamale Correa, Isaiah Wilson, Cameron Batson, Kari Blossengame, and practice squatters Greg Maben and Tommy Hudson. So basically, two steps forward for the Titans with like two dozen more to go before Sunday. Stay tuned. There's just so much to love about Tennessee, Georgia this weekend. Jeremy Pruitt and Jim Chaney both worked at Georgia. The he said, he didn't say, Cade Mays saga of the offseason. And the matchups within the matchups are a football nerd's dream come true. The Tennessee Vols will be facing what is likely the nation's best defense this weekend. And to even think about beating the Bulldogs this year, you're going to have to have an offensive line that is supremely talented and extremely physical. The Vols have that. You probably also need a quarterback who takes care of the football and some backs who can make some plays. The Vols have both of those too. And so that gives you a chance. Sure, Georgia's defense is disgustingly good. Since giving up a touchdown on the second possession of the season to Arkansas two weeks ago, the Dogs' defense has surrendered nine total points on 22 defensive possessions. Hell, the unit itself has scored nine points on its own over that span. Obviously, this is strength on strength, and if Tennessee can't win some of those battles up front, it goes without saying that they're not going to win the football game. So let's just say the Vols do find enough success to put together a few scoring drives, take care of the football, and get into the 20-21-24 point range. Is that good enough to win? This is where a different question becomes the focal point of the analysis, and it's what's most concerning to me as it pertains to Tennessee's chances to go to Athens and pull the upset. What Auburn learned the very hard way last weekend is that even if you do have all of that stuff on offense, which they did not, it may not matter if you can't stop Georgia's running game. The Dogs struggled against Arkansas in Week 1, averaging less than 3 yards a carry on 42 attempts. After beating Mississippi State, however, there's a chance that that was much more of a function of the Razorbacks' improved defense rather than an indictment of the Bulldogs' reworked offensive line because then Georgia demoralized Auburn by running the football 45 times for over 200 yards. And they did it as directly and as simply as possible, going right up the middle at the heart of the Tigers' defense and middle linebacker K.J. Britt arguably the best player on the team and the most physical linebacker in the SEC. And Auburn had no answer. This is where Jeremy Pruitt should be focused this week in practice. Statistically, the Vols held both South Carolina and Mizzou in check on the ground. However, both teams needed to throw the football a lot, and both quarterbacks had some time to do so and occasionally made some plays. Everyone will be focused on the talent and the storylines of the Tennessee offensive line, and rightly so. It's a critical matchup. But if the Vols' defensive front can't stand their ground, in particular on first and second down, it may not matter if the TVA gets the job done. This is how Georgia is built, to out-physical you on both sides, steal your soul, and suffocate the life out of you. There is a reason that the Dogs opened as a two-touchdown favorite. Tennessee can absolutely go down there and win. But Jeremy Pruitt's defense, the one that's given up 81 points and two losses to Georgia the last two years, will have to play as big a role as those studs along the offensive line if they expect to do it. 
The Nashville Predators selected Russian goaltender Yaroslav Askarov with the 11th overall pick in the NHL entry draft on Tuesday evening. The name Martin Brodeur was tossed around by experts during the NHL draft broadcast, and according to The Athletic, he was the 8th overall prospect on the board. Askarov is listed at six foot three, 175 pounds, and Corey Pronman described him as, quote, one of the best goalie prospects I've seen as a first-year draft-eligible player. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I have not watched a ton of U18 KHL hockey. But by all accounts, Askarov is viewed as one of the best prospects at his position in a number of years. The pick doesn't help this team in the short term with Pekarene and UC Soros on the roster this year and Connor Ingram tearing up the AHL in Milwaukee. Some may have questions about the future of Predators netminding with Rene set to retire or sign somewhere else, but with Saros and Ingram, I'm not one of them, and this does feel like a luxury pick for David Poyle. That said, if the name Brodeur is anywhere near this kid's scouting report, he's probably worth it. And if David Poyle's track record with first-round draft picks matters to you at all as a Preds fan, and it should, then you should expect to see a contribution from Askarov sooner rather than later. If you need a refresher, here's a quick history lesson on recent Predators first-round draft picks. Center Philip Tomasino was Nashville's first-round draft pick last year and has moved quickly to the top of the farm system rankings in just one season. In 2017, the Preds selected Ellie Tolvanen, who could be earmarked for the second line this year. In 2016, the Preds selected defenseman Dante Fabro. The team took Kevin Fiala with the 11th pick in 2014, and the Preds' 2013 first-round draft pick was Seth Jones. A reminder, in 2018, the squad didn't have a pick in the first three rounds, putting their farm system in desperate need of replenishing, something Poyle is hoping to solve with a bunch of extra picks this year. But the last five first-round picks David Poyle has made for this team are Seth Jones, Kevin Fiala, Dante Fabro, Ellie Tolvanen, and Philip Tomasino. If Askarov is anything like any of these players, he will be moving quickly through the farm system in no time, and we will be hearing his name a lot. In the first match in Music City with supporters since February, Nashville SC picked up a point with a second straight nil-nil draw on Tuesday evening against Minnesota United. In front of 3,478 people, Nashville SC did the most important thing it can in its current situation. It's late in the year, fighting for a playoff spot, playing a second match in four days, and without any of their top goal-scoring forwards. It got the point. Without Don Baji, Hani Mukhtar, or Daniel Rios, the boys in gold actually had some chances in the first half and just couldn't finish, but the defense held up in the second half for the draw, and now the club has only lost one time in their last nine matches. SC will put its four-game unbeaten streak on the line as it heads west for its next match, which will be Sunday against Sporting KC at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Rate, review, and subscribe. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Wednesday, October 7th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.